You know, if nobody else enjoys these podcasts, at least I do. Yeah. <laughs> what was the What's the episode you've listened to the most? I listened to Encrypted Cloth Alert a few times. That was pretty good. Yeah. Encrypted Cloth Alert. I'm trying to think. I, I still think I've listened to Superfruit. The most. Yeah, probably Superfruit. Superfruit has like 90 plays now, dude. I know, dude. It's, it's, I don't know where we're just getting these plays, dude. People are still listening to it. It's all those right, random hashtags you put on this stuff. It just pops up in yeah. the feeds. <laughs> it's like, what is this? Yeah. We should start putting like really like popular hashtags on this stuff, like Taylor Swift, T Swift. Oh man. So what do you think? We can just like go through some banter and then like talk about like. Give yeah. me a give me get a shorter episode, dude. Not to make it that long. Yeah, that's true. It's true too. Brevity is the soul of wit, yeah. Who's who said that? Uh, I don't know, Lil Wayne. <laughs> Shit, Lil Wayne. <laughs> oh man. Oh, the division, dude. Oh dude, man. I don't want to play no games, dude. Except for Street Fighter. I just want to get good. It's division's good, dude. I'm telling you. The Dark Zone is like pretty unique. Like, we can go out as a crew of three and kill some NPCs and then like stalk some players and then kill them steal their loot and then extract it sounds super violent i just want to play street fighter man but street fighter you can't play for long sessions though right i know dude it's like it's like shots of espresso you gotta get going you gotta dial in dial out are you still sticking with ryu or you think you're gonna switch yeah dude i gotta go all the way dude i know i'm messing around with no other character i even played the other characters yet really i I, the first thing the first thing i did was try all the characters at least once Ah, and i know about that life you gotta try it. You gotta see what Capcom did. Right? I don't have to try anything. This is America. <laughs> I can do whatever I want. Free to choose. Free to choose. Free to choose. Pikachu. Raichu. Pokemon. I can't wait for Pokemon in VR. What about Pokemon Go, man? The thing that's on your phone that allows you to like go find Pokemon what? virtually, like. Well, um, yeah, it's like it's like a, it's like geocaching except with Pokemon. You can like it shows you like where Pokemon are supposed to be like in the real world, and you have to go like catch them with your phone. Damn. That could like lead people to go to like some dangerous parts of certain York, places, yeah. though. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna go to the White House and capture Snorlax. You can see some criminals using this. It's like, like they set up like the, the most impressive like level 100 Raichu. It's like set up right in the middle of their own. Like, come on by, dude. Come on by. Yeah, no, dude. It could get kind of shady. Yeah. I couldn't tell if that was a concept video or it was an actual game. It was really hard to tell. Episode 15. One five of the Unwise Index starts right now. I am one half of your host, Akshay, joined by Monik. What's up, Monik? I'm excited for 15, dude. Excited for 15? 15. It's 10 off from my age. Look at that. Dude, some getting, this is getting cryptic. It's getting cryptic, dude. The numbers, dude. Numbers. Numbers. <laughs> the numbers all around us, man. If you just if you just look hard enough, we're controlled by numbers, right? Yeah, like all the internet is like ones and zeros. Um, yeah, gravity 9.8 meters per second squared. That's a number. That's a number. That's a number. <laughs> Controls us, dude. <laughs> this uh, has gotten. A, this got off to a much deeper start than I thought. It's always a deep start, dude. It's true. If you didn't get it, that that's the day prop. They didn't understand the deep starts. How was your week? You know, week was good, man. I'm drinking some hard cider right now, Angry Orchard. Um, I just finished it actually, and I had just recently a, a energy Cliff Bar that was. Uh, chocolate brownie flavored. They have multiple flavors out here. So hard cider with a chocolate energy cliff bar. What is what does that combination imply about your state of mind or what what is it, it implies, you know, I'm I I need some energy and at the same time I need to have I need to be different because the hard cider is different than normal apple juice. And it doesn't have you know you remember the arsenic hype apple juice, all the arsenic hype people talked about? 
the arsenic hype? Yeah, people worry that apple juice has arsenic in it. I have I missed the memo on that. Oh uh, yeah, this is this is a big fucking memo for apple juice lovers around the world, me included. Um, but apparently, like the classical apple juice you get has like non-negligible amounts of arsenic in it, but hard cider does not. Is that not. because arsenic is in apples, or is that because like the juice making process? I think the, I think the juice making process. The, you know, the natural world wouldn't do us like that, dude. Yeah, nothing in the natural world would kill us. <laughs> it would be found naturally. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Facts. Facts, dude. Mother Nature got our back, dude. Except for that global warming. Oh, and the global warming. Exactly, global warming. We did that shit, dude. We did it. We did it. Uh, tornadoes, we did it. Earthquakes, we did it. Fracking. That's all that shit. We did it. We the best business. <laughs> yeah, so I'm enjoying this drink over here, enjoying this cliff bar. I finished both just now before the cast, so I'm feeling good. What about you? I had a great breakfast this morning. I had half of a granola bar. Uh, the last, like, I'd say, like, quarter of a protein shake that was left in my fridge. You drinking um, protein? And now drinking protein i mean it's like you know it's like one of those it's not it's not because i'm trying to get buff it's because i didn't have the will power to go get real food and so what type like, of protein, protein shake, shake is this because i've seen like is this the one where you like this is a muscle milk this is the ones you like the muscle, oh, muscle milk. milk so it's not the one you shake up with like a like fucking powder and shit right i know dude that's a lot of work yeah not about that yeah if it's it comes pre-packaged boom I'm, I'm all about that you gotta you gotta mix this protein powder you gotta put it over here you gotta maybe spill it on your counter you gotta make sure the portions are correct how am i like i gotta measure that out correctly in a state where i am like deprived of protein yeah how, how you can do all that you can't get the numbers right when you're deprived you get the numbers right numbers man <laughs> so numbers. it comes down to the numbers dude no but the muscle milk is actually it's called muscle yeah. milk it's called muscle milk but there's no milk in it they no. make that very clear all over the box. Like, this is muscle milk. There's no milk in this. Some weird marketing they got there. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's okay. It tastes like chalky. It tastes like most protein shakes do. Like, Did it's like the chocolatey. flavored one? They do, I believe. I don't think I've tried it, though. I, I'm not super keen on trying, like, something that would taste like a protein version of strawberry. Like, it just does not sound like it'd be that great. Yeah. Um, since artificial strawberry as it is is kind of, I think, hard to get correct. Um, like one of my favorite drinks of all time is Nesquik strawberry milk. That's what I'm saying, dude. Um, yeah. and my, my mom still jokes that whenever I go home, like we need to buy you some, some, some pink milk, some like, you know, strawberry milk. Um, that's my jam, dude. Like whenever, you know, they serve that stuff in the club, I'd order that stuff in the club. Like yeah. no joke. <laughs> was, was it a joke or does she know that's what you really want deep down? Yeah. It's like, you know. <laughs> Mama's no best, dude. Mama's no best. Moms do know best. Hashtag moms know best. Um, except when they give their kids apple juice, apparently. Uh, and it's like, yeah, so it's like, I'm all about strawberries, what I'm trying to say, but it's like, I still, I don't think strawberry plus protein would mix very well. Have you, like, you, are you all about these protein bars, protein shakes now? No, 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 I'm not. I mean, like, I, I've, I've, I don't work out, so that's like one, I'll already strike against needing any protein and two, like, I usually the... No, I mean, that's protein- not, you don't, you can eat protein if you don't work out, right? You still need to get... The thing is, I, I am very consistent in my chicken eating, right? So yeah, that's true. I don't need. I, I don't think I need the protein, and also a lot of the protein bars I've tried are hit or miss, right? This one, the Cliff Bar I just had, it's pretty decent, uh, but it's it's marketed as an energy bar, not a protein bar. And the other protein bars I've had are like just not, just not there, right? I do think the Cliff Bars are pretty good. Um, it's hard though, right? Like sometimes it just tastes like crap. And you know, it's like it's like, why did I eat this? Why did I open this? Well, that's why you got to wash it down with some hard cider, dude. 
some hard cider. <laughs> I don't know if anybody, you think, so this is like one of those moments where I think like, is anybody in the world, and the answer is usually yes, because just like probability or whatever. Has anybody in the world had the combination of things that I'm eating right now? Like, has anybody yeah. in the world had the combination of eating this specific Cliff Energy Bar with hard cider? Have you thought about that? I mean, I bet there is, but I bet it's not, it's the probability is closer to zero. Maybe if you say at this exact instant, is anyone doing this right? Yeah. Well, something something I do, which is like plays with my um, music snobbishness, is like sometimes when I'm walking down an area and I'm listening to a song, I'm like, I bet no one else has listened to this song walking down the same street. This experience is yeah, purely yeah. mine, right? I think that too. I'm listening to fucking Gregorian chants down East Ave on Avenue A. It's like no one else has fucking done this like shit. Like sometimes dude. I think about that when I add music to my library. It's like who else has Bieber right next to this Das Racist song right next to – like this, you know, like this, like, you know, I don't know. It's like random track from like, you know, Fleet Fox's B-side. No one. No one. It's all right. Nobody. It, it, it points to our eternal struggle to be different. Got to be different. Yes. Deep thoughts. Numbers. But we all the same, dude. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, like 99 point whatever percent the same according to genetics, right? At the end of the day, though, we all the same. We all go and die, though. <laughs> that was a, that's, I mean, that's a reductionist approach to life. Uh, so just eat chicken and enjoy life. That's what I'm about right now. I had one topic for this show. I had What's one topic? topic. I hear What's what it topic? is. The topic is how do you make it through your day without procrastinating? Or like rather, I'm sure you don't. None of us do really. No. But like, what? How do you procrastinate? And how do you like? How do you stop yourself from letting that consume the entirety of each of your days? Like I've been thinking about this a lot this week. Procrastination. Productivity, yeah. Being mindful, like, yeah. I what, mean, like, I, I what, do you, what, what, what are your chunks, thoughts on that? Right, like, there are a few things I try to do to optimize against procrastinating throughout the day. Like, number one, as I talked about in the previous episode, I try to do a morning routine, and sometimes it fails. Like, oh yeah, you light some shit on fire every yeah, morning. Yeah, light some boom. shit on fire. Try to take a few minutes, maybe meditate. You know, a little sit Indian style on my bed. You know, think about what I'm going to be doing. Feather Indian or dot Indian? What's up? Feather Indian or dot Indian? Uh, <laughs> it took me a bit to get that. Uh, dot Indian. Dot Indian style. Dude. Got it. Got Do it. Feather Indians have their own sitting style? They also sit with their legs crossed, I think. Nah, dude. If the, they, they stole that from <laughs> They've us. They've never dude. done that before. <laughs> they stole that from us. Uh, <laughs> dot Indian. That's great. Um, you never heard of that before? I've heard of it. I've heard of it. I've heard it in a while, though. But Okay. So yeah, so I do a little Indian style and then, you know, I'll go grab my jacket, wear my jacket, then use my lint remover on my jacket, even though there might not be any lint on it, just the action of doing that. Cultivates mindfulness, cultivates presence. <laughs> yeah, gets me in the mood, dude. And then I go about my go about my day, usually listen to the same set of podcasts, you know, Unwise Index, Unwise Index, Unwise Index, five days a week. <laughs> on repeat. On repeat when I, when I get to the subway. Sometimes if it's very cold, I get in an Uber and then I get to work. And so at that point in time, like, I'm, I know I can be productive for the first few hours, right, at work. Because, like, I'm, I'm ready to go. I had my incense smell. Even grab a cup of coffee right when I walk in. That's actually another thing I do is, like, right when I walk in the office, I walk right back out and grab coffee and come back. Like, clockwork. Why, why do you – you don't get the coffee first and then go into the office? Because I got my bags and shit with me, dude. I want to, like, fucking – I don't want to, like – You want to be, be un, un 
bounded when you get that cup of coffee. Yeah, I want to like, you know, pour the coffee and like waft it a bit and make sure I got my hands free to get my Splenda sugar out and pour it in there and like mix it up. And like if I have my bag and like headphones and phone on me, then I got to like put my bag down. I don't want to put my bag down because the floor is messy. And it's like, it's a fucking mess, right? So I grab the coffee and I come back, sip on that sip on that coffee. And then I get, you know, get started for a few hours. And then I'll find my mind wandering, you know, by around noon. And then I'll just go to lunch. Like whenever I find my mind wandering in the middle of the day, even if it's, it's like lunchtime, a, it's lunchtime, right? <laughs> All right. This is about the time to get out. And I found actually one of my biggest uh, inoculants against distractions is, you know, whenever I see my mind, just like I'm not being productive or I'm like fucking, you know, going to The Verge or Hacker News or Facebook and just reading articles that I just don't need to read. I was like, all right, it's time to like get up and like walk around for a bit. And I found like that when I walk around for a bit and come back to my desk. I'm yeah. able to reset for at least 20, 30 minutes. Interesting. Yeah. I think the, the morning routine you mentioned is something I've thought more about because I don't really have one. Um, and like, I think one of the things I'm trying to get away from, but like, I'm sort of like, I have this sort of like, you know, I think we all have some like, you know, sort of impulsive nature with our email and with our phones. Like I'll wake up and I'll look at my phone and like, yeah, it's usually full of email because I'm on the West Coast and people I work with are, you know, on all different time zones uh, that are ahead of the West Coast. Uh, so it's like you just like you wake up and like your immediate first in- interaction is like looking at that phone and seeing like all of this context about like things that are on fire, things that need to be dealt with, people want. Yeah. Like, and it's like this is a broader point around like having how we react to email and like the perceived urgency of particular emails versus like actual urgency. Like, yeah. Sometimes when things are written, like you, they come across and you need to like, you know, a fire that needs to be put out like right that minute. Whereas like you could probably wait an hour or two. Question. Where do you put your phone when you go to bed? Where is it? My okay. phone is next to me. It's on, it's it's like on the stand next to me. Yeah. Don't do that. Try, try, no? try moving. Like what, something that helped me a ton was like, I, I used to set alarms. Like, I don't know if you remember like back when we used to live together in college, like I used to have like alarms for like 20 minute increments. For like yeah, hours, I remember that shit. Right, like I'd hear I, that shit. Yeah, always alarms, right, going off. I'm like, I can't not wake up. Now I have no alarms. No alarms. I leave my phone extremely like out of arm's length and like out of any reasonable distance for me to like wake up in the middle of the night and grab it or wake up in the morning and grab it. And I just wake up whenever I wake up. And what I found is that it takes – obviously it takes a few days to get your clock in order. But the natural waking up process is so awesome because you're you're never groggy. More often than not, you're actually waking up earlier and your phone is far uh, enough distance away from you where you can't go to it and you have to just get out of bed and you're already not groggy because you've woken up naturally with natural light, hopefully. Yeah, I'm not sure with like the the tendency for like things to potentially go sideways at work if like I could actually get away with just waking up naturally on Pacific time. Yeah. Um, it's definitely more possible when I'm like ahead time zone wise in either the UK or on the East coast when I'm traveling. Um, but I think like you're right that that's definitely the healthier modality to be in. It's like, you don't want to be woken up by your phone. You don't be woken up by like email sounds coming in. Like, I think like, I, I, I think I've always underestimated the benefit of getting like getting up and getting started in the right way. Yeah. Um, and like that, that reflects in things like I've haven't been consistent about eating like a decent breakfast, have not been consistent about like doing like a little bit of like, you know, like, you know, just like centering yourself, whether that's through meditation or just like some basic, like, you know, morning calisthenics or stretches or something before you go out into the day. It's like, I think that like actual, that little bit of ritual um, pays a lot of dividends. And 
Um, it's kind of bizarre that like I think we can realize that, but like we don't always act on that. Yeah, what happened to um, that? I remember back uh, back in the day, I used to go swimming a lot in the morning. Do you still do that or no? Yeah, I actually I try to. Um, these past couple of weeks I've fallen off, but like that actually helps a lot too because it gets you up early. So like people usually aren't. You know, like usually up pretty early if you're trying to go to like a morning swim because like you want to get there somewhat early so you can get a lane. Yeah. Um, and like you feel pretty like it clears your head and like it gets you like into like a you get, a you feel like you've accomplished something already out out of the out of the gate if you work out in the morning, which is really yeah. like a nice feeling. Yeah. And be like it kind of limbers up your entire body if you swim, for instance. Um, and I'm sure there are other exercises that do that as well. But like definitely helps. Um, like the downside can be like if you're not in like a really high energy state, like you can feel pretty good for the first hour after you swim but like let's say you're like sleep deprived for instance like you can do that and then like it actually takes a pretty big toll on like the rest of your day yeah like um if like you've expended a lot of energy like between the hours of like six and seven and then like you know the day is going to be really long right um so like you i think it's one of those things where um if i did it if i really wanted to be like an energy boosting maneuver over the course of like weeks or months i'd have to do it every single day yeah um and i have not been that consistent about it in recent years uh so like i've i've thought about that though that's a good point um yeah i mean i think uh i mean i wish i would be able to wake up and go to the gym i think that would be the key key changing factor i think for the rest of the day because i've done it like a few, handful of times and it's always been a great decision um but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, it's like I, one of those things you you never regret once you do it. But it's like the activation energy to actually get there is like always always high. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. But I'm telling you, man, natural light, uh, you know, is I, I leave my blinds open and the lights yeah. start streaming in like six, seven a.m. and I'm up that by then. So my my question is like, I, you were hesitant to take that approach out of fear of missing something out in terms of email communication because they're coming at all times of the day. Yeah. But like if if you knew that you would without fail wake up at 7 a.m. or 7.30 a.m., is that early enough for you to reduce the issues of uh, potential loss at work? It would be, I think, 90 to 95% of the time. Like it might not cover that like remaining 5% just because there's a chance that things need, a t- need attention before that time. Um, but I think like it would co- – like probabilistically, it probably ma- – like it makes sense. Yeah. Like, Numbers-wise, it probably makes – like it's like a sensible thing to do as like a habit, right? Yeah. And like – you're, you're basing your routine around the rule rather than the exception. And so like, I think it logically follows, but like, it, you know, it's one of those things where you have, you have to adhere to the logical course rather than the emotional course, which the emotional course is like, what about that 5% of the time where you could potentially miss something critical? Yeah. Um, and uh, like the, di- like, but like the consequence of like uh, optimizing around that possibility means like four out of five days or nine right. out of 10 days right. are spent suboptimally waking up. Um, so I think you're right, but I think like it's, it's, I I don't think I've completely convinced myself that it's like still something I could do. Um, you know, I had, I think I'll have to, I'll experiment with it. I'll try it this week. Yeah. Try try it this week. Yeah, man, I find that all about trying new things. But like during the work day, I'm trying to think what else I, like the things I procrastinate with are, are primarily, um, like finding new music to listen to or just reading articles on like a yeah. like different For me, websites. a lot of it is like it's Twitter and then like I, I try, I've gotten out of the habit of looking at Facebook yeah. um, pretty – because I just like leave myself logged out for the most part. Um, but it's like Messenger and it's Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, and it's like basically you just like – it's just you reflexively go to these things and it's like you're looking for a small dopamine hit every time you open the page. It's like I'm not even looking for like enriched content or like – following up on specific conversations with people. It's just like you go there because it's like a thing that can give you some some like small like, you know, 
bit of dopamine, basically. Like, that's what it is. Um, and, like, I, I think I am very, like, prone to doing that, like, almost, like, subconsciously. Yeah. Like, when I'm just, like, between tasks or, like, you know, like, blocked on a thought, it's, like, I'll just open those, you know, like, Messenger or Twitter. And, like, I've been trying to get out of the habit of doing that or, like, trying to allocate specific time to look at those things throughout the day. Yeah. Um, because it is sort of, like, one of those seemingly innocuous ways to just like, oh, like for like 10 or 15 seconds, like I'm just breaking focus. But like, you know, the meta point is like you actually lose a lot if like you're never able, if you always feel compelled to break your focus with these things. Yeah. Um, and like admittedly, like I I think like I have a long ways to go when it comes to like sustained um, like ability to like not like indulge in these like little, these little vices, right? Like I yeah. just like, I'm always sort of like feeling like at the nipping at the corner of my consciousness, like I want to go look at these things. Yeah, I want to do something else. Yeah. Yeah. Is, it, is it more like you're just uh, – the work is – is it like the the – because for me sometimes it's like I'm overwhelmed with work yeah. that I can't even take the first step to do it. Therefore, I'm going to put it off by just doing some random inane shit. Um, yeah. And it's never like the, the work is so easy because if it's so easy, then I just get it done, right? You just do it, right? It's like you can listen to some music, get it done. But there's always work. There's like too much shit. And that, that might yeah, be a like problem of inherent in the work we both do. Where yeah, I think that I think that's part of it. I think you're actually yeah. right. Like it's like there's like a certain level of energy you have to like ramp up to to like do some of these tasks, right? To do handle some of these situations, right. to like you know talk, you know, like to figure out like the way forward, like some you know thing X, Y, or Z. And it's like rather than like the sustained energy, like it's almost like it's like you'd rather defer this thing that seems like it's going to take like what your brain is like doing is like, man, this is going to take some time. Yeah. It's going to take it's some no, energy. Like, let's just go fun, like dude. look at some stuff like. It's not so urgent that I have to deal with this thing right this minute, but it's yeah. going to take time. So yeah. it's like I don't feel like I need – like I would rather just like you know entertain myself for like a few minutes or a few moments um, and then go over to the thing that like uh, that like needs more involved attention. Like yeah. one of the things I've actually tried to do – I don't know if you've tried to do this before is like um, – and I've been thinking about like writing like a, a blog post or something about this. is like the idea of like time boxing, like actually putting on your calendar like specific chunks of time. Oh, yeah. To like yeah. get things done. It's like for this half hour block, for this hour block, I'm committing myself to get this thing done. And like I've had not great success with it so far, but it's like one of those things where it's like actually blocking off the time like like concertedly to get something done before before it like hits you and trying to do that, trying to like organize your day in that way, like the morning of or the night before even. So um, I do that, but I don't, I'm not as proactive about it. For me, I take that strategy and the strategy works extremely well, but I only and push to make, do that and like block off time when I'm, the task is already either late or I just, I know there's a deadline and like, I, I need to block off yeah. the time. And that the, what I should be learning from that is like, if I block off the time, I end up getting it done. So why not just do it for everything versus, you know, parceling off tasks that are yeah. already late. Um, but I think that works extremely well, especially if you're looking at your calendar pretty frequently, like I am. Yeah. I, I think like that's, that was the idea. Like you're looking at your calendar often, like, you know, if you block off the time, you'll stick to it. It's just like, I think it's one of those things where you have to be somewhat militant about it. Yeah. It's like, if you start to compromise on certain blocks, um, the whole thing for me, at least like falls away. It's like, if I've compromised on actually not doing this thing, or like I blew this particular block off, like during the day early on or like midday, like the whole thing kind of spirals out of control. 
Um, or like it's sort of like I don't like adherence falls off quickly. I should say, yeah. like it's like for me, it's almost like a binary thing. It's like either you're adhering to it, like really, like to the point where like if you have to move something, like you have to like pick another block to move it to, yeah. or decide like consciously to like dismiss it. But like if you sort of like ever find yourself like I think I have in like the past when trying this, like basically going from block to block but not actually doing the thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like um, oh man, that block passed. Okay. Whoops. <laughs> right, and it's like and you can and like you can you can sometimes have pretty compelling reasons for why you didn't. Right. Yeah. But it's like the logic thing should be like, okay, so you're doing the more important thing now. Fine. It was overcome by events, as they say. But like, why don't you move this slot to like later in the week or like later in the day? And yeah. it's like, then you start to be like, yeah. And like, if, if that starts to happen, then it like yeah, falls it off. Impact. Yeah. So like, I don't know if I've actually ever given this approach, like the real like fair shake that I think I should. So like, I'm thinking about doing that this, like, you know, again, this week, coming weeks as well. Yeah, no, I think that, uh, I think it's a solid approach. Um, the other thing I end up doing is like, I've heard that actually going back to, I know we we're talking much about the, pro, uh, the cons of procrastination in general daily tasks, but the pros of it, there are a lot of studies out there that show that people who tend to procrastinate are actually more creative in their work generally and in their life. I don't know if you you feel that at all or. Yeah. That, I mean, but. I think like it's, I think it's, I wonder if it's like a, it, on the surface that can be a common attribute between folks who are like creative, but maybe also common to folks that are just like disinterested yeah. or exhausted or like, like yeah. it feels like it's one of those things that is not an exemplary trait of someone who's creative. Like maybe it's one of the things that is common among them in environments where like, I think there's like an idleness of mind. And like, I don't know if you've got, if you've like, if you listeners out there, but are you as well, Monica, have like heard of, um, like heard this talk by John Cleese about like the open mode versus the closed mode. No, it's no, like different modes of thought and like different modes of like, like how you're like uh, like preparing your mind depending on the task. It's like anything that has like it's outcome driven, like anything you would consider to be like a normal task at work, whether it's technical or like non-technical or like whatever is like typically operating in the closed mode. It's like you're trying to like get from where you are to an objective being completed or something being done. And like he's saying like to foster creative thought and to like actually like, you know, he's a playwright and he's an actor and all these things. Like in order to think about things, like I have to try to like, I have to I have to get out away from those sorts of commitments and that sort of mindset into what he calls is the open mode, yeah. which is like actually giving myself like a block of time, several hours typically where I just like can be idle and I can actually like just indulge in like following random, random like threads of thought or thinking about ideas. And like, I'm not, I don't feel pressured to like resolve onto a specific issue or specific outcome by the end of my time. Right. Like, right. it's just like, it's purely exploratory. And like, so I think like maybe creative people are prone to like, like the, the yearning for the open mode or whatever, like maybe most people, not just creative people are. And like, you know, if you have days that are overly structured, like you find yourself veering towards that. Maybe procrastination is like a small form of that. But like, I don't know if procrastination writ large is like, you know, indicative of like, you know, somebody being more creative, right? <laughs> That's the way I rationalize it to myself. I'm like, I'm, I'm just creative, dude. I can't, I can't help it, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just an artist. A tour, hashtag. Hashtag auteurs. Like that's how you know if you're procrastinating out there, probably just an artist, an auteur. <laughs> Next, Stanley Kubrick. Exactly. Procrastination. Oh, actually, you know the worst thing I do, and going back to like dopamine hits. Uh, speaking of hits, like I I, I, I use my e-cig quite often throughout the day. E-cig. And, and it's actually, um, you know, it actually is a huge pro because when I'm taking that walk, you know, when I'm resetting. And I have this like small nicotine hit and I come back, it actually is a, a huge help to me being focused and which is bad because then I going back like previous last episode, I kind of joked about uh, addiction, right? 
but it's yeah. given me a really strong look, like me and this this fascination with with smoking and the e cigs has given me a very deep look. Not a deep look, right? I'm not like well, I am addicted, but I'm not you know dealing with psych- uh, hopefully not psychological or physiological dependence and uh, withdrawal symptoms if I left. But it's given me a, a strong uh, sense of you know addiction is you can enjoy the thing in isolation, but the the real way addiction sets in is you pair it with activities and the combined force of the activity plus uh, the addictive factor create something that you just can't leave. It's like when I initially started smoking, it was when I was listening to music outside walking in New York and I enjoyed the act of walking alone and I had nothing to do when I was walking and I was getting bored yeah. with the stuff I was listening to, et cetera, et cetera. And then the small act of pairing it with smoking made both experiences great. So whenever I walked, I needed to smoke as well. And the same thing is happening, obviously, when I moved over to Essex, where whenever I'm walking or not, whenever I'm, you know, in an area on a call, I'm also having the Essex and it's kind of part of that activity. Um, so, like, uh, the addictive quality is, like, helpful to, like, set behaviors, like the morning routine I mentioned earlier. But, you know, it's it's good if you can set that active behavior of something other than. <laughs> no, that's super interesting. I, I think, like, I, it's obvious when you say it, but I don't think I ever really, like, I don't think I at least, like have recently put that together. Like maybe at one yeah. point I realized that it was like addictive behavior is compounded by like, again, like, like you said, like the activity, like what, what are the, like, what is the simultaneity of like the activities you're doing? And like, I think like even things that are not like quite as like, I think like you seem to like pretty commonly and like consistently associate like e-cigs with like taking walks or like, yeah. you know, that sort of thing, which is like, I think probably a pretty strong mental pattern at this point for you. Yeah. Like, but for me, it's like, like even like I think about the times of the day that I want to duck out to get coffee it's not even like the act of being caffeinated, which I think in itself is actually pretty pretty strong. Like, you know, there's a lot of strong coffee in the Bay Area and like I'm not going to act like it's not like a drug. Like yeah. like it's definitely a pretty – like it puts you in a different mindset. It makes you feel different. But like the act of like the ritual of like going and getting coffee, usually with somebody. Right. Like, right, you know, right. like you're like disengaging from the thing you're doing. Um, it's sort of like a form of like taking a step back, um, recharging. Like – and it's like – it's gotten to the point where it's like even – if I don't feel like I need to recharge on caffeine or like I don't feel like I need to get a cup of coffee, if someone suggests it, like it's like would I want to enter that space where like, you know, we're going and getting a cup of coffee as like a, as like a as like an act, as like a ritual versus like me just wanting to go get a cup of coffee. And like I think this is probably pretty common for a lot of people, but um, like that's the thing that I think I do most consistently throughout the day that is similar. It's like I'll do that several times a day. Um yeah. And, you know, just, just the act of being able to use it as a thing where, like, you're taking a walk, you're going somewhere, like, a few blocks away, um, you know, you're maybe talking with people about things that are less immediate, um, super compelling, right? Yeah. I was wondering, I was, I was thinking, like, maybe if, if this is true, then what I should really do is stop using the e-cig when I'm walking or anywhere else and only use it when I'm at my desk <laughs> and, like, pair yeah. the, the, the work activity with uh, smoking activity, which might actually work, you know? Maybe. Yeah. You, you think about, like, way, like... Think about ways to like use your own tendencies against you or like to like yeah. manipulate your own. Like it's like, I like doing this. So if I just pair it with this thing that I'm like maybe a little bit less prone to consistently doing, maybe I'll do it more often. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's like, it's like, it's like pairing some like pleasant activity, like eating your broccoli. Um, it's like that. What was the, the scientist who studied positive and negative reinforcement? B.F. Skinner, right? The Skinner box. Yep. Yeah. Or Pavlov's dogs. Look at that, dude. Yeah, that Science was, education was, coming at you. That was operant conditioning. I remember oh, that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that Pavlov's dog. 
it's amazing. It's like it's like it's it's a super simple model, but it, like it probably it, it applies so broadly, right? It's like you just look like the simple things you like tend to do and don't do, and it's like there's probably a pretty simple aversion or attraction at play. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like this feels good. Yeah, this is amusing. <laughs> you know, we're all just Pavlov's dogs, dude. We all dogs, dude. World of dogs. It's a Death Grip song. Is it? Yeah, World of Dogs. I still have yet to foray into Death Grips. Oh, man. They put out a new song just a few weeks ago called Hothead, a little crazy. Um, I can't wait till their next album, Bottomless Pit. It's going to be it's gonna be great. Sounds like a positive one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I can't wait for Kanye's next album, which he's already announced, TurboGrafx-16. Is that what that's the name of it? Yeah, he's like, I love TurboGrafx-16. It was my favorite console. <laughs> like, this is amazing. Oh, man. But yeah, man, we got to find ways to not procrastinate, dude. I don't know if there's a way to do that. <laughs> what about accountability structures? Like, how do you factor in? Yeah, that's an interesting. Like, yeah, it's like I don't – I've never really felt – like good about like some people like let me like and I've had people like you know good smart people like be like hey hold me accountable for this thing and like you tell her experimenting with accountability structures like if like you know at the end of the week like let me know if I did this thing and it's like I think that would actually be effective in the short term because like it's a shock to anybody's system to like get like disapproval from a peer or from somebody they respect who can like like in like a subtle maybe like constructive form effectively shame them into saying like you did or did not do something that's never been like an appealing – A, I think it's like it's like immediately emotionally like kind of like – like it's like not something I want to do. It's like I don't want to like have someone else hold me accountable or something. It feels yeah. like – it feels kind of wrong. It feels like a crutch. It's like my own life, dude. Tell, don't tell me what to do. It's my own life. No, it also feels like I'm – like it feels kind of like a like a desperate thing. It's like yeah. it's like, hey, can you do me this favor of holding me accountable for this thing? And like, you know, I, I think like maybe that's a simplistic way to view it. Maybe that's a distorted way to view it. But like that's what I immediately think. But that's a one-way street. Like there could be like shared accountability where you want to go to the gym. Someone else wants to go to the gym and you both go to the gym together and make sure you both are, are following. Yeah, yeah. But I think that maybe that's a healthier dynamic, dude. It's like we're both like using each other as like a, a way to like enforce a schedule. Um yeah, I think I think that that's that's a good point. Like maybe like if it's a two-way thing, if it's a shared act, like mutual accountability, like that's some that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um it's like the one-way thing where it feels like you're you're basically ask, asking for like a, you know, a periodic sig- like this person act as like a signal for you yeah. to like remind you of something because yeah, maybe like it's, it's, it makes sense because you like you view this person a certain way, but like it feels artificial, right? It feels like you are priming this this signal to do a certain thing, and it's like at that point, like you know, what does it what does it say that like you can't just do the thing? Um, I don't know, and like it, I'm not saying it wouldn't be effective, but it just like it almost seems like a, like a there's a feeling of defeat that permeates yeah. it, you know? <laughs> it's like, well, just make me just like shame me at the end of the week for not yeah. doing this thing, <laughs> or just realizing that we dogs, dude. Dogs yeah. Eat, again, you know? like I think I don't. I do not undermine the fact that it's probably largely effective for many people, probably myself included. But it just does not <laughs> seem like something I'd want to indulge in. Um. Well, how about you hold me accountable uh, next week for this uh, phone thing, like the phone by the bed thing? All right. I don't know how I'm so gonna, next time, next know, time I'm we talk, hold you accountable other than asking because you can lie. Well, to me, okay. Right? Like, yeah, just ask me. Like, oh, well, you can assume that I'm not lying. <laughs> I'm gonna do like some GPS shit. It's like, yo, like your phone, phone is be, four dude? meters away. All right, that's 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 far enough. That's far enough. <laughs> ben Carson, dude. Ben Carson. Ben Carson. Supporting Our D-team. boy Benny C. Fellow Johns Hopkins uh, dude. Not alum, I guess, but dude. Um, 
endorse Donald Trump. It's happening. Uh, every, it's, it's happening. happening. There's lots of riots and shit happening in Chicago and yeah. St. Louis. Protesters, counter protesters, you know, people just going ham. I don't even know, man. It's like, I, like, I feel like everyone's like, oh, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And it's like, maybe, maybe we'll get worse, but maybe like, maybe I'm not, I'm not so sure it's going to like go into like this all out brawl that people are like, like the media seems to be like, you know, yeah. s- sort of salivating at the bit for it. It's like, yeah, maybe it'll get worse, but maybe like, it's just going to continue to be pockets of like shit like this. Yeah. I'm hoping appeal to the better angels of our nature. Um, Donald Trump, dude. <laughs> but I don't know, man. As I said last week, I'm excited for shit to go down. I'll be there on the front lines, dude. I told you I went to some of these protests in New York. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, uh, which ones did I go to? I went to the uh, Freddie Gray protest. I went to the um, Can't Breathe protest who was – oh, yeah, Eric Garner. Yep, yep. Uh, so I went to all those protests and stuff like that. So I went to those, and those never got like violent. But the the most interesting um, issue, and my my main issue with a lot of these protests, because like I, I I've, I've talked to you about this in the past. Like I view protest as a as a great cathartic act for people who are directly impacted by the pain that some of these these things cause. But at the same time, I just don't think it's a vehicle for moving anything forward or mo- creating any sort of substantial change. In our, in our day and age, because I know people will, you know, attack me and say, hey, you know, civil rights movement, women's suffrage movement, these were all driven by protests, uh, or LGBTQ movements, these were all driven by protests. But I think we're at a point where the type of uh, issues that people are worried about, um, the type of structural and like mental change that needs to occur is just not going to come to fruition via protest. Like we made a lot of fucking progress, um, but I think the next step is you got to get into positions of power and change things from there versus protesting. Yeah, I think I think that's yeah, sorry. I think that's absolutely correct, but I I like I think like the problem is like people there's like a cynicism about like the idea that anything that you're protesting about would result in any actual material change. It's like there's a disconnect between like yeah, you could protest, you can like unless it gets really overwhelmingly big and like forceful like the protest, it's like like I think the assumption is like the powers that be in Washington or wherever will just like let it die down and then go back to business as usual. Yeah. Like what's actually going to happen? Like, you know, there's just, I think like this cynicism extends to a lot of corners of like the public debate or like whenever there's outrage about anything, like, um, like I remember like there was this pretty, like, I think pretty, I think like, you know, powerful tweet that I saw, which was like this guy had said like, you know, it was like after one of these, you know, latest mass shootings. I mean, someone's like, I think it was, Craig Hockenberry, who's a who's a iOS developer, he was like, you know, we kind of made an like after Sandy Hook happened when a bunch of like elementary school kids were murdered, like, and we couldn't get anything passed or any no. change occurred. Like, people should know that like we're pretty much screwed. Like, there's like no, there's no protest that's going to change anything if that couldn't move the yeah. needle. Yeah. Um. And I thought that was like one of those moments, at least on the subject of gun control, where I'm like, you know, it sucks to be that to kind of throw in the towel about it, but it's like, you know, I think he's right. I think he makes a point. I mean, it's like I think there's structural, a gradient structurally, on gun control, right? Because I don't want to... Yeah, structurally, something has to change, right? Like, yeah. it's like no amount of outrage or like, uh, like uh, um, you know, like just f- shock and awe, like alone can cause like these things to move. Like there has to be an organized vector for how they affect like the people in Washington or like it's something you just, it needs to be like a more structured approach. I don't know. Like, yeah. Why do you think that changed though? Like what, if you look at these other examples in history I just mentioned where... 
um, the thing is, like, I think what people don't realize, and, and I'm just like correcting myself, I think what people don't realize is the protest was, as you said, one vector um, that compelled people to change and introduce policy that was impactful and useful, but it wasn't the yeah. only vector, right? And I think right I think now there's... we're too focused on think... the vector of outrage and protest. Yeah. Um, I think it's not that focused. I think that's probably why. It's like, I think like if I wasn't there, but I'd assume that like during the, you know, the peak of the civil rights movement, the peak of the women's suffrage movement, like it was like it dominated the national conversation in a way that few other things could. And it's like, I feel like even when there's mass shootings that are like completely extreme and appalling, even when there's like, you know, Donald Trump potentially going to become president, like that's still one conversation among like just a ton of different random shit that's happening on the internet. Like, like just like, like the, like the vast array of conversations and focuses that are like out there, like still like like it it stratifies like the conversation. It like dilutes the relative power, I think of like one narrative. It's an interesting point, like how social media has given us more avenues to. I think it, I think, I think it relates back to our procrastination idea. You know, it's like you're a outrage, you're a Paul, but then you move on to like, look at what the funniest Buzzfeed articles are. Like, I think there's like, there isn't a sustain. There isn't a sense of like sustained attention on these things that you need. I think to actually like affect the institutions that would have to be changed. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean another goofy thing about these protests, specifically, I'm, I'm talking about um, um, the Eric Garner protest, which obviously was primarily focused against police brutality and, and curbing their authority and power. Um, which there are aspects I agree with, aspects I don't. But the the funniest scene I saw was. You know, there was areas and pockets of the protests that were not becoming violent by any means, right? They were pe- there was peacefully protests, protesting, and it was huge. This was all throughout Washington Square Park, and you know, it was going throughout New York. I'd say, you know, many, many thousands of people. I I don't know how many, but I would say at least ten thousand people were there, um, if not more. And obviously, the people who are protecting this protest were the police officers. So you had this weird disconnect where people were yelling slurs against the police force. And the police force was there just like taking it. Uh, and at the same time, people were laughing and, you know, in, 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 you know, sharing Instagram photos and Twitter tweets about the events that are recurring. And you get the sense, I think the word used diluted is uh, very appropriate because you get the sense that while some people view this as a cathartic experience, the actual avenue for protest to be uh, a, a platform to move things forward was diluted because of this, uh, all of these things going on. Um, so I, I think the way forward is just always, as I've always said, man, accumulation of power, join the Illuminati, and then call the shots. <laughs> it's like that's Yeah, the- I mean, like one of the downsides of living in a democracy, a republic, is like you have to be very structured about how you change things. Like, like you have to elect officials or you have to somehow like move the needle on like people's opinions who are already in power and like it has to happen in a consensus. And like it's not just like, one emotional lightning bolt can like cause somebody to like make, you know, this sort of like unilateral decision that changes everything. It's like, it it sort of has to be, you know, there's, there's like this, you know, this power structure that involves, you know, it's sort of pre, like you, it necessitates the need for like a structured avenue for change. Right. Like, and I think um, that doesn't necessarily line up well with like our current kind of ADD about issues. I mean, and I think people, are rightfully outraged about a lot of these things, but like, yeah. I think you need sustained outrage and sustained like sort of displeasure. Yeah, I mean, there's some movements that are now coalescing and, and having very defined features and demands and wants, like the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, 
but there's no kind of clear figurehead. There's no clear authority system there, or, or clear like sort of like there's like I there's like an anti, you know, sort of like a pro, it's like I we we want this to get better. Or we want this to like not ex- like you know this bad thing to to lessen. But it's like what is like the concrete objective? And I'm sure like if you ask certain people, they will have like concrete yeah. things they want done. But it's yeah. like it, it isn't so emphatic right across like the. The, the, the sort of movement where it's like we want these specific things done in this specific way. Right. Like we want suffrage expanded in this way or we want like these rights. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, we just want these things to get better or these bad things to get, you know, you know lessened. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's, it's, a, it's an emotional like sort of core to the argument, which I think is like what's powerful about it. But I think it also um, might be overwhelming like what could actually influence like actual structural change, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, it's a uh, the world's getting a little crazy. That's why we gotta we gotta. That's why we got that we gotta keep focusing on the Edwise Index so people have something to fall back on, right? Yeah, let let this be the the voice of the people, <laughs> the voice of the movement. <laughs> dude, that would be awesome. What would be our yeah, demands, dude? dude? To who? To to the world, man. I don't know. To the world. Um, Listen, tune in. Like us <laughs> That's on SoundCloud. Really demand. <laughs> oh, so we're simple people. I want the tithe, dude. That's all I want. I want the tithe enacted. Yeah, like Ben Carson had that part right. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty simple. We had the law. We have we have the tax policy. It's, it's in the Bible. Come on. That in the wall. The wall just got ten feet higher. <laughs> the wall just got ten feet higher. <laughs> <laughs>